Not Your Average Mother Runner podcast. My name is Lisa, and this is not just a podcast about running. This is a podcast to empower women through fitness and health and everything in between. Because let's be honest, ladies, this journey could suck if we don't get our shit together. Welcome back to Not Your Average Mother Runner Podcast. I am your host, Lisa. I just want to remind everyone to listen to the, op- the episodes on iTunes, Spotify, and iHeart. And I drop the episode every Wednesday. Every Wednesday, you get a new episode. So if you subscribe to any of those platforms, you will be notified when the new episode is released. And as I've been mentioning, there is a private Facebook page for the podcast for women. And I think it's just this amazing space for women to have discussions in regards to the episode. You know, um, in the past, a lot of women have shared some of their personal experiences as it corresponds to the uh as it's related to the episode. So if you want to come into this page, the links are on the episode notes. So today I have Dr. Zaria Rubin. She is a Harvard trained physician, integrative health coach, and CEO of Wild Lilac Wellness. And that's a boutique online health coaching practice in Portland, Oregon. And this is where she helps smart women conquer chronic stress and anxiety. And you can actually learn more about her Thrive program. And and she has this special where you could book a free introductory coaching session and grab her free guide, uh, Five Surprising Ways to Boost Your Energy. And I will put that in the link of the episode notes. Okay, so welcome, Zaria. Thanks for having me, Lisa. I'm glad that you, um, I'm glad we spoke because I think that the first time we spoke, you talked about being a Harvard-trained doctor, and I was surprised. I was like, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm surprised too. Yeah, no, a lot of people are. (laughs) When we were, when we first discussed, you were talking about you know, being a health coach. And yeah, I think yeah. that that is, that's a really great segue to doing that type of practice to have that medical background. I think that's, that's huge. Give people a little bit of your background because there, a lot of changes happened with you. You know, where are you from? <laughs> you know, where are you from? What are you doing now? And, you know, what exactly do you do in regards to coaching? Sure. Okay. How much time do we have on this episode? <laughs> take a while. I'll give you guys the abridged version. So I, I'm from um, Canada originally. I'm from Montreal, Canada. So I speak French too. And I just became a citizen last year. So that was exciting. Um, so now I get to vote. Very important. Very important. Yeah, that was a, a large motivator for why I did it. So I had always wanted to be a doctor. It's one of those things that you dream about, you know, when you're a little girl and I made that dream come true. But I think that a lot of times when we make these choices really early on in life and we're just sort of laser focused on it and and training to become a physician is so intense and there's so much 
work involved and schoolwork involved. And kind of when you're on that path is sort of like fast moving escalator thing that carries you, propels you forward. It's very hard to kind of get off and, and reassess and, and sort of say, oh, is this the right decision for me? I don't know. You know, I had always been fascinated by health and wellness and the human body and always had a passion for helping people. And so I thought that medicine was the best way to do that. And I chose neurology because I was really fascinated by the human brain and the capabilities that we have as people to transform and just all of the, the amazing things that we're capable of and neuroplasticity and language acquisition. And just, it was fascinating to me. I was like, am I going to choose the kidney or am I going to choose the brain? You know? So I chose the brain and in theory, it's an amazing field of study. There's so many advances. There's so many fascinating things to look at in terms of research and you know, looking at diseases like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and MS. And there's so much work we need to do. But the reality of having people in front of you who were struggling with these very, very serious life-threatening illnesses, it takes a toll on you um, day after day. And I think if you're a very empathic person, like I, I am, that you know, I think I, I tried to hide that and tried to you know get rid of that part of me because you have to when you're a doctor. You can't feel every single thing, otherwise you won't make it. So I did, and it just wasn't really compatible with with that kind of a, a career long term. Um, and so I made the really difficult, heartbreaking decision to walk away from a, you know a career that I had trained for my whole life. And it's never easy to do. Um, I, I came across this proverb at the time when I was leaving that was, no matter how far you've gone down the wrong road, turn back. And I found that very empowering that, you know, you can be driving in a car and you can keep driving, keep driving, keep driving. But if you're going in the wrong direction, you're never going to get there. Mm-hmm. And so it can be really sort of demoralizing to turn around and drive back those thousands of miles, but it's the only way you'll get in the direction that you actually need to be going. So made that tough call. You know, it was obviously, it's a decision that had financial impact. It had personal impact because being a doctor is so much more than a job. It's a, it's a career. It's an identity. So it was all wrapped up in that for me. I was like, well, who am I really if I'm not a physician? You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. Dun, dun, dun. Right. <laughs> big things that I had to come to terms with and cope and face. And, you know, I ended up working in industry for a number of years and realized that was not my passion. I had a baby very late in life in my forties and was just, you know, that's a life changing experience. And I realized that the things I wanted in life were not the same as the things I had wanted, you know, 20 years ago or more. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, it's my 20th medical school reunion. This was supposed to be this week. And it's really it's sad because of COVID it got canceled, but, um, but it's a huge milestone to, to celebrate. But yeah, I just realized that I wanted a different lifestyle, a different life. I wanted to be there for my daughter 
I wanted to be present for all of those milestones that she was going to achieve. I wanted to be there when she was talking and walking and doing everything for the first time. And then she finally started school last year and I still wanted to be there to volunteer in her classroom and go on field trips and all those things that are, that I'm so lucky that I am able to do as I chose a career that afforded me a lot more flexibility in terms of being able to work from home, being able to have flexible hours, being able to be there for my kid and, and still do something I'm really passionate about. So do something that involves health and wellness. Mm -hmm. I'm a huge, you know, I love food and cooking and clean eating. So able to bring that in. I'm a really big proponent of mindfulness and mindsets. I'm able to add that to my practice and really genuinely help other women who are struggling and who have been where I've been um, and get them through that, that stage in their lives, which is a really difficult stage to, to overcome and to get through. So and I hope that answered your question. No, that, that does. And that, and then as you were talking, I realized we did have an amazing initial because we shared basically a lot of the same things because I was pre-med you know, I didn't go, I didn't, I got accepted to medical school, but I didn't go. Thank that God. Is, that is so brave. <laughs> that is so brave. You know, um, but I wanted to be a brain surgeon. It, that's, I really wow. wanted to get, I was very fascinated with the brain and I also wanted to help people and I'm also empathic. <laughs> so, and, uh, and you know, yeah. and like, yeah. And like you, I had a child later in life, later in my thirties, um, which, you know, everybody else had them, you know, younger. Um, but I can, you know, relate to what you're saying. Um, and it, and yeah, it, it had to be pretty tough to leave that type of pr- profession because like you said, it was your identity. Did you get any type of uh, backlash from like, like your family because you left? that's really interesting my family was sort of like oh finally um like they they never wanted me to go into medicine in the first place it was so funny I had reverse pressure from my family because they felt (laughs) I know they thought you know this Jewish mother and everything who was like don't do it don't go into medicine and I was like well I'm doing it you know so I think that gives you even more motivation sometimes when your parents are trying to discourage you or push you in a different direction. Of course they were right, but they wanted me to be happy and they wanted me to be successful. And obviously they were very concerned when I left because they were, you know, thinking, well, what, what is she going to do? But I, I, I tend to land on my feet, (laughs) sort of, you know, cat with nine career lives and, you know, managed to find all these different ways to channel things that I was interested in and passionate about. And I was, you know, I was really lucky to get those opportunities and to be able to, you know, find a new path and, and health coaching sort of fell into my lap. Like it wasn't something that I had really known about. It was a, it was a relatively new field. Um, so a couple of years ago, it just kept coming up in conversations and, you know, I'm in a bunch of different physician groups where, physicians take a different path. There's a bunch of different non-clinical career support groups and things like that for physicians, which I think is great. Yeah. People kept saying, well, why don't you do health coaching? Oh, you should be a health coach. You should do health coach. And I was like, is that even a real job? (laughs) 
I don't know. You know, <laughs> I was really skeptical and I had to sort of get over myself and get through any of those mental blocks that I had. I'm like, oh, well, I'm a physician. I'm not going to do this. And then I thought, well, you know what? It's just, it's such a perfect blend of everything that I believe in and that I wanted to do. And I wanted to focus on health and wellness rather than disease and illness. I wanted to focus on prevention rather than treatment because, you know, I think our medical system is really very backwards right now. And we expend mm -hmm. so much energy and so much, you know, financial investment on treating people after the fact, when if we could prevent a lot of chronic illness through diet, through uh, food availability and through food distribution and just healthier food at lower prices. I mean, my goodness, we, we really need that. Um, so I, I discovered IAM, the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, um, which is an amazing school in New York City. And they have an online program, which I was able to complete, which was great because I didn't have to pick up and move to New York City. With, you know, I, like I had a four-year-old at the time. That would have been challenging. But it was just such a wonderful program. It was really eye-opening and enlightening. And, you know, people said, oh, well, you don't have to do any training. You're a doctor. And I was like, no, you know what? We don't actually learn very much about health in medical school. And we also don't learn about diet and nutrition. I mean, literally, I could probably count on one hand the number of things that we learn, and it's mostly like, you know, caloric values and metabolism and things like that. I mean, it's like we really don't focus on it, and we really should, because I think doctors are in, a, in an amazing position to counsel people on health and food, but they don't always have the time. Right. So that's where health coaching came in for me. It was like, this is an amazing opportunity to take that time with people to show them you know, everyone knows, well, I'm supposed to eat healthy and I'm supposed to exercise, but how do I do that? Mm -hmm. How do I affect those significant behavioral changes in my life and make them sustainable? You know, not a crash diet, not uh, I'm going to the gym five days a week and then I'm never going back, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that's where health coaches can be so valuable in, in terms of just really being there for that person and talking them through it and helping with the behavioral aspects as well, making uh, those shifts, those mental, mental shifts and, and lifestyle shifts. You said a couple of things that were, um, that I'm glad you said. Uh, first of all, I've only met one preventative medicine doctor, one yeah. in my, in my lifetime, one. And I remember when she first, I, I used to work for a large, uh, corporation, um, and it was in the wellness department and they hired her and I was like, what is that? <laughs> you know, and I'm like, wow, yeah. why, why aren't there more of these? You know, why aren't we having more of these, you know, doctors that are preventative and not the treating? Um, cause that's really what it is. You go in and it's, it's to treat something, not prevent it, you know, yeah, from happening. Absolutely. And the other thing you mentioned was the nutrition. Yes. You hit that on the nail like no other because that's exactly it. You know, I've dealt with my gut issues going to doctors and there is not one discussion about how I'm eating, the nutrition, talking about, you know, healthy eating, nothing. It's about here's the medicine, 
let me know how it works. And you're absolutely right. They hardly, I don't know. I spoke some, spoke to someone recently and they said that they're starting to change some of it, but it's just not to the point where they should be talking about meals and nutrition. <laughs> I mean, if, if you're going, especially if you're going in with a GI problem, it makes right. absolutely no sense to review your diet and, and to just think, you know, what is, what is the food that you're putting in your body? Are there food allergies? Are there intolerances? Are there things like gluten and dairy that could be mm-hmm. in your digestion and other, there's so many, you know, infl- inflammatory foods that can have different impacts on people. And I mean, that should be a sort of a basic one-on-one approach, but it's not. And I think there is more of a shift going on right now towards a more preventative, more functional approach in medicine. I mean, we have to because we've just got this, you know, epidemic of chronic disease and diabetes and obesity and cardiac disease and and cancer. And we need to address those things. And if we could change diet, we would have a massive impact on all of these illnesses and on all of the burden and stress on the healthcare system. Yeah, absolutely. But before we talk more about health coach business, your health coach business. I want to talk about something that you mentioned when we were talking initially, and it was about mommy brain. Yeah. And, and you, like, you know, you piqued my interest when you talked about how that is truly a thing. So if you yeah. can just yeah. share a little bit about that, and you said there's it's evidence-based yeah. study, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's really fascinating. So we all know if you've been pregnant and had a child, you know that mommy brain is a real thing and you don't need a study to tell you that, right? <laughs> right. So, but for those listeners maybe who don't know, so I mean, I used to have like a photographic memory. I, you know, kept everything in my head. I didn't have a date book. I didn't have a calendar. I didn't, I didn't need to write anything down because I would just remember it all, which is insane, (laughs) but that's just kind of who I was. And then you get pregnant and you have a baby and you're like, what day of the week is it? Uh, What's my last name? I don't know. Everything kind of goes out the window. And yes, there's sleep deprivation involved, but it's much more than that. It's word finding difficulty. It's not being able to remember things. It's like, what was the name of that movie that we saw last week? Um, um, I don't know. So that's kind of in a nutshell for me, like what mommy brain is. It's just not being able to remember things, not having things easily accessed. It's kind of a brain fog situation and everything just seems slower. Right. And I thought, oh my gosh, Jesus, this is going to be the rest of my life. It's gotten better. It's gotten better. <laughs> now my kiddo is six, so it's gotten better, but still it's never gone back to what it was before. And that's, you know, that's okay. That's the reality. But fascinatingly, there is research that backs this up. It's not, it's not in our heads. I mean, it is in our heads, but we're not crazy. And so they've actually done MRI studies, imaging studies on women, and they've compared you know, women who've gone through pregnancy and postpartum period to women who have not and just had a similar time lapse. And they compare the brain scans. And the differences are so stark that a computer is able to sort out to tell, oh yeah, that woman's had a baby, that woman hasn't. Wow. 
And what it is, is it's showing a loss of gray matter. Um, so gray matter is kind of the important stuff that is wow. that makes up the cortical functions of your yeah. brain. And, you know, um, things like learning and memory and executive function. So making decisions and planning. And then there was even a loss of gray matter in the hippocampus, which is where we store, you know, learning and memory. So um, that's kind of the bad news. <laughs> the good news is that the the belief is that this is a process that takes place in the brain as sort of a synaptic pruning that happens because we're building different connections and new connections. And, you know, they also often say that mothers have eyes on the back of their heads or you mm -hmm. have like this feeling in the back of your neck of like, you know, your kid is about to do something they shouldn't be doing. And that's a skill that mothers develop or, or like, I would always know when my baby was about to wake up before she woke up. I was like, she's mm -hmm. going to wake up and I would wake up and there she was asleep. And I'm like, I'm crazy. Two seconds later, she'd be awake and wanting, you know, food. So I, I think that it's this fascinating process. We don't have all the answers, but what we do know is that the transformation, the neuroplasticity that occurs in mothers is more significant than any other change, you know, that we see. And it also can be possibly responsible for things like postpartum depression and anxiety. Yeah. So we need to, you know, it's like one of those things, more research needed. It's hard to do research on women and pregnant women, especially, and things. There's lots of, a lot of precautions, but it's just a field that's, um, that's fascinating. And yeah. When you said that, I was like, oh my God, like that is very fascinating. Very, very fascinating. And I, I wanted you to share that with everybody because yeah, we think that it's not it's in our heads and it doesn't really exist or people say that it doesn't exist, but yeah. you know, there's scientific proof that it does. Oh yeah. 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 We're, not, we're not making it up. <laughs> right. I'm glad you said that. Um, I wanted to also ask you, what does it look like going back to your, you being a health coach, what does it look like to work with someone like you, or what does it look like to work with you? Well, um, currently what I offer is I offer individual coaching. So it's a one-on-one -on -one process. It's, it's very intensive. It's almost like therapy or coaching or, you know, like a personal trainer. Um, that's usually how I explain it to people, but it's for your health. So I meet with my clients every week and we talk for close to an hour and it's uh yeah it's a, it's an intensive one-on-one -on -one experience and you have to be open to it and ready to make changes um to share what's going on with you and to to do the work essentially because there is homework every week we talk about your goals we talk about what is holding you back you know what are the current things in your life that are challenges and that you, if you could wave a magic wand and make things different in your life, what would you do? You know, what is it, is it weight loss? Is it stress? Is it sleep? Is it anxiety? Is it, you know, chronic pain? I do see a lot of folks with chronic pain issues and how or energy is another big one. How can we work on that together and shift that? And how can we connect the dots for you uh, between, you know, what you're eating and how you're feeling, because that's a huge part of the work that I do, because there's often a big disconnect 
and people just think, well, I eat and it gives me, you know, energy or food tastes good or whatever, or I eat breakfast, lunch, dinner, that's that. Mm-hmm. And I want people, I encourage my clients to make the connection of what you're putting in your body. Is it serving you or is it sabotaging you? And that requires some awareness. We often do some journaling or some elimination diets and things like that, depending to just try to strengthen those connections and then to make eating a little more mindful and a little more intuitive over time. It's not going to happen overnight. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes people are just eating what they want to eat, you know, cravings wise. And we work on that. Mm-hmm. And we work through a lot of mindset and mindfulness things as well. So I'm really big on meditation. I didn't used to be. I was too stressed out to meditate, which is hilarious. Um, but so I, I enable people to to try it and to not be afraid to meditate and to not feel like, oh, I'm bad at meditation. You know, mm-hmm. there's no such thing. Right. Um, so we work a lot on that and we work a lot on mindset and, and shifting the stories and the negative scripts that we have in our minds and the things that we tell ourselves. Um, like I'm, I'm a messy person or I'm an anxious person or I'm this, I'm that, I'm a failure. Those stories, those messages, they become so automatic and so ingrained and you just repeat them on autopilot Mm -hmm. and you don't realize the impact that they're having. I mean, your brain is going to believe whatever you tell it. So if you tell it something positive, it's going to believe that too. Right. Right. So we work on that, that shift. And so I work with folks usually for a period of about 12 weeks. That's the length of my 12 week, my thrive program. Um, I also do offer a single session uh, I created a single session offer during COVID um, because I just felt that people were really desperate for something and for some immediate help. Like I need something right away right now. And there is no quick fix. Like obviously you can't fix everything in one session. That's why I have a 12 week program. And even after that, some people continue and do an, an additional program, but I felt like I wanted to offer something for people right now who are really just in need of some support. Right. And so I created that, a 90-minute offering, which is the Overcoming Overwhelm session, um, which really kind of deals specifically with stress and anxiety stemming from the pandemic. But whatever else is going on in your life, if you're having trouble sleeping or other issues, we can focus on that too. It's more of a focus session. And then sometimes I do group programs. Occasionally I'll do a group um, five-day detox or five-day reset where we all get together virtually. Of course, Mm -hmm. my practice has always been virtual, which was really nice. I didn't have to really pivot. Um, And we, we do clean eating, you know, things and some mindset shifts for about five days. And it's amazing how that can really shift things for people And some people stay on it after that. They're like, oh my God, this is so great. I love it. I'm going to keep eating this way because it's not that difficult. It's not that challenging. And it's not like, I'm not a proponent of diets. I will never tell anyone to go on a diet or this specific diet or that specific diet. But I do think clean eating is kind of the one philosophy that I do sort of espouse of like, you know what? Try to eat real food. 
mm. and not processed packaged food with a lot of chemical additives and preservatives and things that are just highly, highly processed in a lab. Just eat things that are coming out of the ground or the trees, or if your great grandmother could recognize it, it's probably <laughs> good to eat, you know? Yeah. So what kind of clients come to you with what type of ailments? You know, I shouldn't say ailments, but issues. Yeah. What's um, the, uh, the range? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's usually women. Um, I do focus on women cause I, I just feel like that's my, that's my wheelhouse. That's my area mm-hmm. of expertise and they are usually a bit older, um, forties, thirties, forties. Um, I think I've had some clients in their early, early fifties. Um, and they just, they're going through some, usually there's going through some transitions in life, um, whether it's, you know, a, a big life event or just that sort of midlife unraveling mm-hmm. Brene Brown talks about. Um, it's this process that we all go through when we realize like, oh crap, like <laughs> this is it. This is yeah. not a dress. This is not a dress rehearsal. Yeah. Yeah. I think in our 20s, we're kind of like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I have all these chances and mm-hmm. I can do all these things and life is, you know, limitless. And I still kind of feel that way, but I realize that it's that window gets narrower and, and, and you have to sort of decide, you know, is this the life that I want to be living? Mm-hmm. And, you know, with the time I have and, or do I want to be a different person? Do I want to be happier? Do I want to be less stressed? Do I want to be less exhausted? Do I want to be less in pain? So people often come to me, they either have chronic pain, they have exhaustion, they've got um, various chronic illnesses that they have to manage. Um, a lot of work stress, anxiety, family stress. Um, weight loss is, is, is a big one too. People do mm-hmm. come to me for weight loss even though I'm not a weight loss coach. And I tell people that I am not a weight loss coach, but you will lose weight working with me, but we will not do diets or anything like that, but you'll see it's going to be cool. And, and people do end up losing weight for sure. I mean, my clients, I had one client who lost 27 pounds. That was amazing. And she was, she was already not like she was thin, but she was getting ready for her wedding. She was just so, she was so happy by the end of it. And other clients, you know, it's, it's a range. Um, but yeah, they, and sometimes they'll come to me and they'll say, well, I thought I needed to lose weight, but what I really needed was to take care of myself. Yeah. And yeah. to put myself first. So, so most of the clients I see, the pattern is either whether they're a mom or they have a very demanding job, they have somehow put themselves last on the list they keep falling lower and lower on the to-do list and, <laughs> until they're at the bottom. And then everything else comes first and everything else is a priority and their health, their physical and mental health end up suffering as a result. And I sort of work with them and teach them to, you know what, you need to make yourself a priority. And if you don't take care of yourself, you're not going to be able to do all these other things. It's sort of the oxygen mask principle, especially for moms. Yes. Um, that's funny you say that. Self-care. Um, yeah. And, and it's know, not what people think it is. It's not no. going to the spa and whatever. And, you know, it's like self-care is so much deeper than that and more meaningful and more powerful is, is what do you need as a person to function 
And what recharges you? Is it taking some time and, and reading a book? Is it being able to take an uninterrupted shower? Mm-hmm. You know, is it getting a little bit of childcare so that you can go for a walk? You know, it's like pretty, it can be pretty basic, but yet very powerful. I, I just said that to someone. It's beyond the spa day and a mani-pedi. <laughs> I mean, it could be that, but it's... I mean, those are nice too. If that floats your boat, <laughs> yeah. when, when self-care starts to feel like an extra job or task that you have to somehow fit in and like, oh my God, I'm too stressed and I have to fit in all this self-care. That's not self-care. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So the other thing is you talk a lot about the mind and body connection on your website. And I know what the mind and body connection (laughs) is. And I know there's a lot of people who do, but coming from someone who had, who, who was a neurologist and now is a health coach, what is the mind and body connection? Can you explain what that means? What is it? And is there scientific evidence that it exists? Okay, well, the short answer is yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, and, then, and then the other really short answer is the most obvious is that the mind, the brain, well, the last time I checked, it is connected to the rest of your body. It is in your body, right? And it receives the same, you know, nutrients, oxygen, blood flow as everything else. So it is all directly connected that way through, through nerves, through arteries, through blood vessels, through spinal fluid, all kinds of wonderful things. So there's definitely that literal physical connection. And then there are other connections that we're learning about that we weren't aware of, you know, 10, 20 years ago in terms of the microbiome being a really integral part of this mind-body connection. And it's, it's truly fascinating. I mean, we have all of this bacteria in our gut that is sending messages and directing our health and essentially talking from the gut to the brain. There's a connection by the vagus nerve. And we're seeing that the type of bacteria that you have in your gut and the balance of this bacteria can impact things like diseases in the nervous system, like depression anxiety, Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease. I mean, it's truly the stuff of science fiction almost. Um, So that's truly fascinating. And then we also know in the other direction, the mind-body connection in terms of things like meditation Mm -hmm. and how, you know, they've, they've analyzed people who meditate and looked at all of their physical parameters like heart rate and blood pressure and how that that can significantly change and be lowered through meditation and mindfulness and as well as as brain changes um, on an MRI. And so we have the ability to impact the way our body and our mind function and talk to each other um, through what we eat, through exercise, through these techniques, these mindset and mindfulness techniques that we practice and, you know, in a positive way, in a negative way, if we allow stress and anxiety to really take over, there are some acute 
effects on the body of, of stress and things like stress and sleep deprivation. And there's some chronic effects that are very significant. And they include things like, you know, autoimmune disease and heart disease and mm-hmm. cancer. And we're really starting to believe that these connections are there, that they're real, that they're significant. You know, we don't have a test that measures one-to-one, like this amount of stress will cause this amount of disease, but we know that that connection is there and we know that we have the ability to influence it positively or negatively. Yes, because you are talking about that. And I went to um, a Buddhist monastery last year and I was very, I had a lot of anxiety at the time. And I was just getting out of a relationship and I was trying to kind of like cleanse myself. (laughs) And when I went in there, I can't even tell you, I'm sure you you know what I'm saying. Like I went in there because you had to, um, you know, there's no speaking. There's, there's moments of no speaking. Silent, silent retreat. Oh Yeah. Wow, right? good for you. I got to do yes. that. <laughs> you have to do it. You, it, is a, it was hardcore. I really went in. It was a whole weekend. And you only had moments of where you could speak to the other people that were with you. You slept in like a dorm-like setting, dorm room-like setting. And then you went inside the, the temple and uh, you meditated. I can't tell you by after the first night it literally was euphoric. It was this serene, I don't want to say, maybe it's not euphoria, more more of like a serene feeling in my body. And like everything, you know, anxiety is all the the negative talk. You know, it's really all that negative talk gone, like gone. And I was like, I don't want to leave here. Like, I don't want to leave here. It was the most amazing experience. And that is when I realized, I mean, I always believed that the mind was a very powerful organ. Um, But that was that weekend, I realized, wow, there's so much more. We do not know that. I was in such a, uh, a peaceful place in my head. And it was continuously throughout the entire weekend. Um, there is totally that that connection, and I really believe we do have the power to to really, you know, I, I don't think we're using. I mean, they say we're not using half of, the, not even half of the brain, right? Um, I just think we're. It's so powerful, and even even to possibly heal ourselves. You know, I totally believe that. But you said those things and I I totally agree with you. But when you said the micro, uh, the the microbiome, what do you mean by that for those who are listening? Yeah. So um, it's the concept, I think, that we have this um, ecosystem, you know, a biome is sort of like a biological ecosystem of bacteria that live in our gut. Um, and they're, they're, they're a good bacteria. They're friendly bacteria. They're not the bad bacteria that give you, you know, um, GI disease or dysentery, things like that. They are the good bacteria that helps protect your gut, 
that helps break down your food and helps you, um, you know, digest and absorb things and just keeps your, your gut healthy. And so depending on the balance of that, and that bacteria is affected by your birth, it's affected by what you eat, it's affected by your environment, and everyone's is different. And you inherit some from your mother um, through birth, and then the rest is, is taken up through the environment and through, through your eating. And you do, there's the ability to change it and modify it um, over time and the foods that you eat, you know, there's, it's a kind of a complicated thing, but there's, you know, prebiotic food and probiotic food and, and as well as probiotic supplements that you can take to potentially influence that population of bacteria and to have that balance uh, Mm -hmm. regulated so that there's a balance more towards the good bacteria and less of the bad bacteria. And when that gets out of whack, Mm-hmm. Um, you can have some, some problems and some issues and diseases and, um, some overgrowth, things like that, that happen and things need to get brought back into balance. And we're, you know, we're, we're learning. We, we don't know, um, we don't know the half of it. I mean, we're just starting to discover this incredible universe that yeah. lives inside of us and that, that makes up, you know, more than the cells in our body is bacteria. Yeah. We're mostly you know, bacteria. It's crazy. Right, but you said the word ecosystem. That's exactly, yeah. you know, and even your own universe, the little, you know, you know the universe exactly. within yourself. Exactly. That is the perfect way to define that. I saw on a recent Instagram post where you said, I'm a recovering, stressed out, burned out, anxious, PTSD survivor. And I was like, whoa, that's, that's powerful. And can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, I think that as always, you know, our journey in life and our experiences kind of drive us to pursue our passions and the things that we want to pursue. And obviously my experiences led me to medicine and to health coaching. And I, I went through a lot personally um, as a young child, had a lot of medical traumas and, you know, a life-threatening illnesses and experiences and didn't process that maybe as well as I could have, or, you know, there, there just wasn't the resources available back then. I think everyone thinks, you know, well, kids are fine. They're going to be fine. And I think as a kid, also you, you internalize things and you have a lot of magical thinking about why things happen or what is happening to you. And, um, and you have a lot of coping mechanisms that you develop over time to survive. And mine was, I became very, very hypervigilant and very anxious and always wanted to prevent anything bad happening. And so I would always think of everything bad that could happen and how could I prevent it? And eventually that kind of spiraled into a constant state of panic and negative thinking. And when I was in medical school and when I was becoming a doctor, it was pretty much intolerable um, to be in the hospitals and to be dealing with patients because it was so triggering for me. I had no idea that it was basically like a soldier who had PTSD and their way of coping with it was to go back to Afghanistan every day. 
rather than removing themselves. So my way of coping with my trauma was I'm going to be on the other side of it. I'm going to be a physician. I'm going to do this work every day. And it was just, it just was the exact opposite of what I needed in order to heal, but no one figured it out. So none of my colleagues or I saw a counselor in medical school to help with my quote unquote anxiety that was actually PTSD, but it wasn't diagnosed, wasn't diagnosed until last summer. So it was another 20 years before it was diagnosed. Um, Yeah. And it was, it got worse. It got better when I left medicine, but it was still always there. Mm -hmm. And then it got worse again after I had a baby. And I think part of that is all the brain changes that happen. And part Mm -hmm. of that is just being responsible for another human being Mm -hmm. and feeling that such deep love and then that deep panic that that could all be taken away from you. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it got worse and worse and worse until I finally realized, you know what, this is not normal. I think we normalize a lot of things, especially as physicians, we're the worst patients. And especially as moms, mm-hmm. I can handle this. This is fine. Right. This is just the way I am. Right. And I normalized it. I'm just a quote unquote anxious person. I'm just Jewish. You know, I, it's fine. I'm neurotic. I'm anxious. It's fine. It wasn't fine, but I just tried to sort of keep it a secret and not seek help because I thought I could handle it. And eventually I did see a physician, uh, a PA actually, in racial trauma. And she said to me, my God, you have had so much trauma. You have PTSD. And I thought, you're crazy. <laughs> I haven't been to war. I, I was not abused as a child. You know, I didn't have anything terrible happen to me. That's crazy. And the more I thought about it, the more those words kind of echoed in my mind and I realized, oh my gosh, this explains everything that's happened to me in my life and that's led me to where I am today. And it was a really deep, um, heavy process to go through and the healing from that was pretty much a full-time job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I was still coaching, but I, I, took a, I took a significant break and... Yeah, and I I feel like I'm in in a in a place where I can help other people now and I know what it's like to be there and I know what it's like to go through that and to end up on the other side. And actually this month, so June is PTSD awareness month. And I so I wrote an article, um it's on my blog and it's up on Kevin MD, which is a medical biggest medical blog out there and it's about my journey with with PTSD and how it impacted my life and my career and how I came out the other side. Wow, that is amazing. Um, Yeah, people think PTSD is war, abuse, and there's a lot of other trauma, life trauma, that a lot of us go through, and it, it doesn't fit into that box. And I think that like you said, no one diagnosed it until last year because there's still that box of abuse. Uh, You're a war veteran. Um, Exactly. You know, there's other types of abuse and there's other types of trauma. So I did want to talk a little bit about that. And, you know, yeah, you're right. I mean, I think that's why you you are the way you are and you're able to help the women um, that you are able to help because you've come through it. 
You went through it. Didn't go over it. Didn't go around it. Didn't go under it. You went through it. And you have the only way. Right. And you have a better understanding with that. Um, So last question. Um, What is one important thing you think women should know when it comes to their health that they often forget? Well, I think they often just forget their health, period. I think that we touched on this earlier, but I think that women, especially moms, they think that their health is not important and it will take care of itself. And there are always going to be other things that are more important and higher up on the list. And I can wait. I can go to the bottom of the list and I got to deal with all these other things. I got to deal with the groceries and the laundry and the kids and their appointments and their activities and the school's calling and this and that. And, and, oh, my husband, and and I got to clean the house. And it goes on and on and on and on. And then there's, you know, the mental load of keeping track of all of that. And they are last on the list. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the expression of like, well, you can take time out for your health or if you don't, your body's going to decide to do it for you, you know, um, at a time when you don't decide. (laughs) Right. And I think that that's something that's really important for women to understand is that this is something that you need to make a priority. You need to make yourself a priority, whether that's your physical health or your mental health or both. That needs to be there. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to fulfill all the things you want to do as a mother, as a wife, as a professional, pursuing you know all of your passions and dreams. If you don't have that foundation of health, and you know you don't have anything really, and it's it's um it's a big wake up call, especially yeah. when you have things happen to you, physical things or mental things or both, and you sort of think, wow, I wish I had taking care of myself better sooner Mm -hmm. yeah, and maybe prevented things. That is a great, that's the greatest advice to give women. And that is, you're right. Your most important thing is they do forget about their health. I just want to thank you so much for coming on. And I don't think you are the typical health coach because I know that you put on your website that, you know, you almost say that working with me is different. And I can see why. And it's not just because you are a Harvard-trained physician. (laughs) Um, I mean, that helps. But I think that the fact that you have, well, I think it does help a lot because you have a better understanding of the brain and also your own life journey. Uh, you ha- you were able to not run away from it and, and like I said, go through it. And you're empathic, which I think is a very important um, thing to have when you're working with people and trying to help them. And you probably have a better understanding of them than they do of themselves. So I, um, I give you a lot of respect. I love your Instagram page. It's I could see what you're all about. Um, very, a lot of positivity, a lot about educating women. Um, so, you know, I, I would shout you out <laughs> as much as I can. Um, Thank you, Lisa. No, it, it's, I'm being really honest with you because it's, I think that there's a lot of people that say they're health coaches. I don't have these types of conversations with them the conversation you are and I are having. It doesn't work that way. You're coming from a place of a very heavily scientific medical background and yet the emotional part. Like that is huge. 
to have that, that's huge. That's not something that a lot of people have. They either have the medical part and you can't even talk to them, or they have the emotion part, but they don't know any of the scientific background. They can't back it up with that science and they don't even have the understanding of it. So you have both and I think that's amazing. So I'm so glad you got to come on here. Um, where can people find you? I know I mentioned your Instagram page, but what's, yeah. what's the IG handle? Well, I'm, I am, thank you so much for having me. This has been such a treat. And I, I do think I'm a different kind of coach. Um, and it's not every day, you know, not your average mother runner, not your average <laughs> health coach. Um, because most health coaches are not physicians. And I do think I bring something different to the table. That is that deep knowledge of medicine. And so I'm able to put things together scientifically and connect the dots and get at maybe deeper causes or root causes for things and help people unravel that tangled web of what's causing what and why am I experiencing these symptoms or these symptoms or are they connected? Or are they not connected mm-hmm. work through all of that? And then I try to present everything in a very personalized, very understandable way. And that's one of the things I'm passionate about is communicating very complex science in a very bite-sized way that people can understand, even if they haven't, you know, gone to school and trained for a science degree. Yeah, that's, that's a skill. That is a skill. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. So back to where can people find me? (laughs) I am on the web at www.wildlilacwellness.com. You can head over to my website and check out what I'm all about. Check check out the blog. You can read that article I mentioned and a bunch of others and um, get my freebie, which is the guide, Five Surprising Ways to Boost Your Energy. I'm actually, it's a surprise, but your listeners are going to be the first to know. I've just created a new freebie that's going to be launching that is called the Stress Toolkit. Okay. Oh. And it's going to be a comprehensive um, guide, really, essentially, for how to how to recognize stress, how to cope with it, how to manage it, how to address it. So look for that coming soon. It's it's going to be free as well, free to download. And then you can also book a free session with me. You can I'm I'm currently offering that. I don't know how much longer I'm going to be offering the free sessions, but I do think it's important for people to get a taste of what health coaching is. I think a lot of people don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. They're still confused by it. They're still skeptical about it. I was too. You know, that's understandable. Um, I think life coaching has gotten more popular. And so that's, I think health coaching is where life coaching was was like 20 years ago. So we're getting there, but it's just, you know, what is it? It's a combination of it's a personal trainer. It's a therapist. It's a naturopath. It's a dietitian it's all those things rolled into one and it's very actionable and it's very much real-time impact that you can make changes and see results right away it doesn't take years it takes weeks or months Mm. so that's my pitch for that you can find me also (laughs) on instagram at wild lilac wellness um i also have a free women's uh private women's group on facebook that where we talk about all these kinds of things. We talk about sharing recipes and clean eating and parenting struggles and how to cope with kids being home during the summer with no camps, etc. And uh, clean living, non-toxic products, clean beauty, all of that. And that is called Clean Living with Wild Lilac Wellness. So lots of ways for folks to find me. They can also email me 
at healthcoachatwildlilacwellness.com. And I'll have all these links on the episode. Great. You know, notes, you know, so that people yeah. could just click on it and get to you. Um, Zaria, again, I am so grateful to have you here and, and having this discussion. Um, of course, I'm a little bit of a nerd. So it's like, I love this. I love thing. it. <laughs> um, I love nerds. Nerd power. <laughs> I know, right? Um, I totally enjoyed it. And so much I learned from you. And I hope a lot of people learned today um, listening to you. And again, thank you so much for being on here. And, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll talk soon. And thank you again for uh, the listeners uh, for listening. And that's it. Bye. Thank you, Lisa. Bye.